Now you have heard me say again and again and again what I'm about to say. But I could not say it enough, and I'll say it many, many more times. The great need for America is churches. Churches. The great everything, everything that is good in America is supported by the church. There's no substitute for a church. You know, I have a great I have a great concern about Christian colleges and Christian schools who make light of the church. I think every Christian college in America and every Christian Bible school ought to make their kids go to church on Sunday night. Amen. You won't say it, I'll say it. They ought to make them. Ought to make them. There ought not to ever be anything at a Bible school or a college, Christian college, to compete with the local New Testament church. You know why? Because the church feeds that institution. Where does the Bible college and Bible school get its students from the churches? Every, listen, every Christian institution in America, whether it's a Christian magazine, a radio program, a Christian high school, whether it's a, a rescue mission, a Bible college, a seminary, every institution in America is dependent on the local church, and if she has any sense, she'll feed the people that feed her. There's no need tonight. Look, let's take such organizations as child evangelism, and I'm for it, not against it at all. I am I'm for it. But child evangelism, when a person becomes a teenager, where will they go? If that's where you invest your life. Or suppose you invest your life in youth for Christ. Or a campus crusade. Where's a child going to go when he... Now, I'm not, I'm not opposed to those. I'm opposed to some of this rock music they, they play. But uh, I'm not opposed to the, to the campus crusade or, or, or Youth for Christ either. Um, I'm, I'm for them. But if, if you invest your life in that... Young lady came to my office today. This is interesting. Uh, in fact, the other thing I want to say is interesting. But this is really interesting. And uh, But uh, a very fine young lady, she said, I, would, I, she said, I, I went to the... Uh, uh, Woodmore Methodist Church here in Hammond. Grew up there. She said, I went off to college and to, to Indiana University, I think it was. And she said, uh, maybe she's here tonight. I hope she is. I invited her to come. She said, uh, 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 my roommate there was a Christian. And I realized the roommate had something I did not have. And I wanted what she had. And so I was saved. And then she said, uh, Campus Crusade was on, was on the campus there. And I started fellowshipping with Campus Crusade. And now she said, I'm back home. And... Uh, she said, I'm going to, to, I want to go to California to train, to work full-time with Campus Crusade. And I, I, I wanted to ask you if you could give me some names of people or if you yourself or church or something could support me financially as I go to school this summer and train to work with Campus Crusade. And I said, where do you go to church now? She said, Woodmore Methodist. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to be unkind. It just so happens that that's not the most fundamental church in this area. And... Uh, she said, uh, I go to uh, Woodmore Methodist Church. Now, you say, well, the Hiles, I don't believe in calling names of churches. Well, then don't do it. I suggest you not do that. But, uh, uh, and, I don't, and I don't call names of fundamental churches or Bible-believing churches either. You'll never hear me criticize at all a church that believes the Bible. But, brother, if a church doesn't believe the Bible but doesn't say so, I'm going to say so for them. You don't like that? Then figure out some way to lump it the best way you can. And, uh, but... Um, 
Anyway, I, uh, uh, I said, now, well, how did, why did you come to me? And she said, now listen to this. She said, I've been born again now. And I recall when I was a teenager, some folks from First Baptist Church came by and tried to get my, my family saved. And she said, when I got saved and wanted to serve the Lord and raise some money to go out and, and work for Campus Crusade, she said, I thought the best place to start was First Baptist Church Hammond. You see? Uh, now, if she'd wanted to have a march on Selma or a, a demonstration or something, she'd have gone to her church. You don't like this, do you? Well, you may as well get used to it. Because, uh, well, in fact, most of you are already. Uh, we have folks in our church that like, they say, I like you when you preach the gospel. And so when I get off of something like this, they, they'll go, and, uh, well, you better get ready. It's all practice, because you're going to go a lot tonight. So just, all you want to, just, and until you away, because you're going to be in tonight, and uh, a great deal, and next Sunday night, and the next Sunday too. But um, anyway, um, now the honest truth is, the honest truth is that, that the institution that you better pump up is the church. That's the great need. That's what America has to have. Look, youth for Christ, you pass off the scene. I'm not against it, but it does not meet the needs of the entire family. Campus Crusade, the same way. Uh, Take, take, uh, I know people that spend their entire lives on Jewish evangelism. They wouldn't cross the street if a Polak was saying, what must I do to be saved? They'd say, you go on to the bad place. Boy, we're, we're, we're interested in Jews only. And uh, uh, if you've got any Irish blood in you, forget it, boy. We just want a Jew to get Jews converted. The fellow said, not long ago, came by the office, and he said uh, to me, he said, I want to I ask you, do you have any work with the Jews? And I said, if they live on the street we're visiting, we do. He said, well, I have work with the Jews. <laughs> and I said, man, between Jews, why don't you visit those Gentiles in between there and get those Gentiles converted too? He said, well, I mean, you have a special work with the Jews. I said, sure, I have a special, special work with the Germans too. You know, I'm in, I'm in a mood tonight. We may never go home. I feel, I, uh, uh, if, you, if you could see my outline and know where I am on it, you'd be discouraged already for sure. Because I, uh, uh, but anyway... Uh, now, what's the need? The need for churches. Churches. I have given much of my life. And when I say that, I mean I've given of my life. And I've given, I think, years off of my life. And I have, I have spent thousands of hours, hundreds of days, scores of weeks, trying to get churches started and changed across America. Because that's the great need. Look, the church, the local church, and, and I hope you Moody students will hear me real well tonight. And I want you to giggle when I preach like this, because when I preach the truth, you, just, you, you listen, you get it whether you agree with it or not. What you need to do, instead of going out here and building a, a specialized works, I want to build a Christian radio station. Build your church and then get your radio station off the church. Look. Hammond Baptist High School. I'm for it. You know I am. I think a lot of you folks ought to have your heads examined because you haven't got your kids enrolled. And I mean that with all of my heart. I'll say a few words about that in days to come. But in, in, in a few years, you graduate. Now, where are you going to go? If that's where you invest your life, you see. Now, I think you ought to invest your life there, but I think you ought to, ought to also invest your life in a local New Testament church. That's Churches start missions. Uh, uh, who supports the Pacific Guard mission? The church budget, uh, uh, in many cases. And we well, said, oh, no, individuals. Yeah, that some church 
grew and nurtured. Uh, people oftentimes get saved here and next to the house. I wanna, I wanna grow in grace. I wanna take a Bible course. I wanna, I wanna, to, to, I wanna get all there is. Now, I tell what to do. The best way for you to get all there is is just keep your feet right close to the fire in a fundamental New Testament church every time the door is open. That's the great need. That's the, look, the church is the granddaddy of all other institutions, all other organizations. Now, unless we start, look, I preach at other groups. I, I preached at a convention for the uh, um, uh, open-air campaigners. <clears throat> in fact, I'll be preaching for another one for them in the Midwestern area in Chicago in a few months, the open-air campaigners. And I thank God for them. One of our finest men here works for the open-air campaigners. And uh, so I was talking to some of the fellows, and I'm for what they do. They do a wonderful work. And they say, do you have any open-air campaign in work in your church? I said, sure. <laughs> we just witnessed out in the open air and in, in, inside and, and everywhere. You see, folks can't realize, look, the biggest Youth for Christ work in Lake County is right here in this room tonight. The biggest in Lake County. The biggest child evangelism work, <laughs> 1,801 departments. How's that? You see, the biggest child the biggest campus crusade work in this county. We get more teenagers born again than all the campus crusaders in the state of Indiana put together. Now, I'm, for all, I, I'm not against them. And don't you say I am. I'm not against anybody that exalts Christ. But a fellow's a fool who doesn't work for, work through, and support the institution that, that funnels and channels support to every other institution in this world. That's right. The church. The local church. People come to me often, and they say, Brother Hiles, well, we, we, don't, we don't work through the local church. A fellow came out long ago. He works. It's a good group, by the way. They just—he just does. He doesn't—he doesn't even go to church himself. I mean, he doesn't even go to church. And he came to me, and he said, uh, "Well, he said we said uh, I want to talk to you a while." And I said, "All right. What about?" And, and I said, first, where do you go to church?" He said, "Well, I—I I belong to a big church." Oh, I said, First Baptist." No, he said, "The big church, the blood-washed church." <laughs> That's always a cute way to put your backsliding. And, uh, and uh, I said, uh, well, don't you have belong to a local church? Well, he said, no, I don't have time for that. I said, what do you want from me? He said, a list of your members. I said, you don't have time for it because my members are members of a local church. You see, what he wanted was the names of our people because he knew we built the kind of people that support his work. You see? Now, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not even, you say you're off the subject. No, I haven't even gotten on it yet. I, uh, I, uh, really, I, this, 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 okay. We're not even there yet. That's, that's the first line. We're not even there. And, uh, some of you folks are not liking it already. And I just tickle me to death when folks don't like it. I just add 30 minutes to the sermon, just like that. Everyone doesn't like it. Some of you super pious people. Some of you, I'm blood washed too. I'm as blood washed as you. I've been born again. I belong to the big church too. But let me tell you something right now. Here's a fellow. He goes out to fight. And he says, what company are you in? I'm in the big army. What platoon? What, what regiment? I just, I'm in the, I'm in the Washington army. The honest truth is, 
You wouldn't even have these organizations if there weren't good old-fashioned fundamental New Testament churches to support you and care for you and get people saved so you can write them letters and ask them to send you money. Now, I'm not against it. not against it at all. If you're sending money to any organization I mentioned tonight, if they're preaching the gospel, you'll never hear me and you never have heard me criticize you for it. One reason is I don't preach storehouse tithing. I practice it, but I don't preach it. I, I give my tithe to the local church, but I don't preach it because I don't want to be selfish. I, uh, I, I think the best place to give it to the local church, but I, I don't, uh, I don't, I never criticize you because you, now if you send it to your grandmother in Arkansas that's got lumbago, I, I think that's not right. But, uh, if you want to send your tithe somewhere outside the church, uh, I won't even preach as strongly as I believe about it, lest I become selfish uh, for the money of my people. And I don't want to do that. Now, in the Bible, now I want to tell you how churches become inferior. Now, please don't leave me or, or let me lose you. Stay with me all the way. I want to show you how churches become inferior. In the Bible, there were a few really great churches. Now, that's a very interesting thing. But there are a few really great churches in the Bible. Um, the church at Jerusalem was for a while a great church. I think the greatest church in all the Bible is the church at Antioch. I have a sermon I preach in Bible conferences, oh, once every year or so somewhere, on the church at Antioch. I think it was far and away the greatest church in the Bible. In the first place, the church at Antioch was started by Christians who were persecuted because of the death of Stephen. It says that, that there's a persecution arose because of the death of Stephen, and, and the persecution arose, and the Christians left Jerusalem and migrated north, and went as far as, as Phoenicia and, uh, and on to Antioch, and they started a church on persecuted people who were persecuted because they witnessed for, for Christ. Something else about the church at Antioch, it was a church that was where, where the people were first called Christians. The, the, the Christians never named themselves Christians. They didn't get together and say, let's call ourselves something, and they voted to call themselves Christians. No. The people at Antioch saw these people and said, you folks are so much like this, this, this man called Christ, they call them Christians. Something else about the church at Antioch. It was the church that helped the needy. When the church at Jerusalem had some problems, uh, some uh, problems of some of the folks who needed help, uh, food-wise and so forth, they took an offering at Antioch and sent, sent help down to the church at Jerusalem. Not only that, the church at Antioch was the church that sent out the first missionaries. When Paul and Barnabas and John Mark left the church and went to Cyprus and on to Pamphylia, and then John Mark came back from Pamphylia, he got scared, and Paul and Barnabas went on up to Iconium and Lystra and Derbe and, and uh, Antioch of Pisidia and so forth, and back home, the first missionary church was the church at Antioch. Not only that. It was a church of great pastors, Paul and Silas and Peter and others, uh, and Barnabas and others, priests or pastored the church. It was a great soul-winning church. There are other churches in the Bible that were good churches. Philippi was not a great church, I think, but it was a good church. Smyrna was a church that uh, was not a great church, but uh, a good church. Um, the, the, uh, the church at Thessalonica was, had some merit. I do not think it was a great church. I think there are only two or three at the most great churches in the Bible. One, the church at Antioch. Two, the church at Jerusalem. And maybe in the early days, the church at Ephesus were the great churches in the Bible. Now, other churches had good points. A Philippi, a loving church. Thessalonica, a church that looked for the coming of Christ and loved to study prophecy. Um, and other churches had good points, but I think that only two or three really great churches in the Bible. 
Now, there are many inferior churches. In fact, there are more in the Bible than there were great churches. Let me just give you a few. There was the church, for example, that Ephesus became an inferior church because they left their first love. They refused to do their first work. They went from the soul-winning business and, and, uh, and left their first love. They lost their heartbeat. They lost their amen. They lost their joy. They lost their hallelujah. They lost their thrill. They lost their expectancy. They lost their zeal. And uh, they, they left their, lost their first love. And uh, it, it was an inferior church. The church at Sardis was an inferior church. It was a church that the Bible says they had a name to be alive, but they were dead. Everybody said, boy, that's a live wire church. They have more going on. They have a they have a uh, uh, activities going on all the time. Their fellowship hall busy hall is busy every night. They had a name to be alive, but they were dead. An inferior church. The church at Pergamos was an inferior church because they dwelt where Satan's throne was. Now Satan is the god of this world. The Bible says his throne is the world, and they dwelt where Satan's throne was, a worldly church, and uh, they were inferior. The church at Thyatira was an inferior church because they suffered a lady whose name was Jezebel. Now, not the Jezebel of the Old Testament, but another Jezebel of the New Testament. And they suffered her to run the church, and it was run by a lady, and it was an inferior church. The church at Laodicea was an inferior church. The Bible says that they were neither hot nor cold, and because they were neither hot nor cold, God said, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. The word Laodicea means to please the people. It was a people-pleasing church. Say, I pastored here for almost 11 years. I've preached from this pulpit since 1964. I preached from 1959 through uh, April of 19, uh, through March of 1964 in the building that burned next door, the old auditorium. And I have not one time in almost 11 years preached one sermon or given one sentence in a sermon, as far as I know of, <laughs> to please the people. Now I've said a few things that this pleases you, but I uh, I've never one time, never one time, I've tried to help the people but never tried to please the people. But the church at the Odyssey, an inferior church, it tried to please the people. The church at Galatia, or the churches in Galatia, were inferior churches. Why? Because they sold back the veil in the temple. They preached legalism. They didn't preach that salvation was by grace through faith. They preached the work salvation and back to legalism. The church at Colossae was an inferior church because they were guilty of angel worship. The apostle Paul wrote a letter back to Philemon in whose house the church had services and warned the church against the angel worship that was going on at Colossae, an inferior church. But of all the churches in the Bible, inferior, Colossae, Laodicea, Thyatira, Sardis, Ephesus, all the rest, Pergamos, all the rest, the most inferior church in the Bible was the church at Corinth. It was the worst church of all. The Apostle Paul wrote and said, you are inferior to the other churches. Now listen carefully. I, I have literally, now I mean this is true, I have given my life, my money, my time, and I think years, years off my life to the, to the growing here on this corner, a real church where your family can be, can be taught truth and where they can grow up and be decent and where you can have every, from every, every, from the smallest child, these superintendents a while ago, a child gets uh, two years of age and goes in Mrs. Newton's department. He sits at the feet of a godly lady and godly women who help your child. When a child becomes a, a three years of age and goes to, to Mrs. Barr's department, and once again, he has the finest workers in the land. A child gets four years of age and goes to Mrs. Um, and boy, I'm in trouble now. I can tell you, I'll never get through all of these. Mrs. Rice's department. 
And, uh, and uh, boy, I go through there on a Sunday morning, and she and her, with her Canadian accent, says, Come on, y'all! And, uh, and, uh, and rounds them up. Wonderful, wonderful worker. And then they go to Mrs. McKinney's department, and they have wonderful, and Mrs. Burnside. And, uh, and on and on they go. I'm not going to keep on going. I could, but, uh, well, Mrs. Simpson and others, uh, all, all I could go, all the way through. Uh, we do our best to give your child, whether your child is three or thirteen or seventeen or nine, a place where he can go and, and be taught and a place where he can learn the Bible and learn right and learn decency and learn character. You know it's true. We've taught your kid everything from how to walk to how to shake hands to how to pay his debt to how to sit up and be still in church uh, from the time they're, they're, they're that high until the time they go off to college. Uh, we, why? Because we're trying to grow a church here that, that meets your needs. A church that meets the needs of the aging saint facing the sunset years of life. And yet a church that meets the needs of a teenager with all the decisions of a perplexing, uh, uh, society. That's the great need. And so, uh, I want us to look tonight. By the way, inferior churches are built by inferior people. You know how the church at Corinth was an inferior church? Because they had inferior people. Oh, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, 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 a church or any group or any organization or anything is composed of the existing parts. So, if you want a great church, you have great people. That's one of the pro- you have to have great people. That's one of the problems about the great society. That's one of the problems about socialism and communism. Socialism tries to regiment decency. You can't do that. Decency starts in here. Helping the poor starts in here. Now, communism and socialism says, we'll make you do what you would want to do anyway if your heart was right with God. So we start at the heart. Socialism starts, as I, you heard me say, a man walking down, the, two, two fellows on the side of the street, one fellow walked down the street, and a communist said to, to a fellow, he said, uh, look at there, see that man? He said, communism can put a new coat on that man. And the other fellow was a Christian, and he said, yeah, and Jesus Christ can put a new man in that coat. Now, the honest truth is, good people build good churches. Inferior people build in, inferior churches. But, just as the hen and the egg, when a church is a great church, it builds great people. Which comes first? Who knows? Great pe- when I came to First Baptist Church, I didn't decide. We didn't have a spring program my first spring. Did you ever think about that? Now think of me. How many were here when I came? All right. But you recall, we didn't have a spring program that first year. In fact, I had been here a couple of years, and we were still trying to get up to seven, out of the 700 in Sunday school. You know why? Well, the first thing you do is make a meal. Then you ring the bell. You see? So, for the first year or two, what did I do? I worked on the people. Worked on the people. Why? Great people make great churches. I, I, you heard me say this. I can see Ken Shandon, God bless him. He was music director here, and he was a young man, very young at the time, and he couldn't understand. He said, he said this, I didn't. He said, you're the greatest preacher in the world. Now, I, I let him say it. I didn't stop him from saying it. But uh, uh, he said, and he said, we got the greatest we got the greatest church. He said, here we are, got everything, and running 700. Why, he said, I know little churches in, in Oklahoma running eight and 900. Here we are, 700. He said, what's wrong? And I said, nothing's wrong. I said, we'll just keep on building the people and doing what's right and getting the thing done, and God in his own good time will take care of the growth. So what happened? We worked on the people. My motto in my book, the first book I ever wrote, I will not use my, ch- my people to build my church. I'll use my church to build my people. 
it is morally wrong for a, for a pastor or a principal, for that matter, or anybody. It is morally wrong for anybody to use people to build a work. The work is for the people. You don't go out and give a bunch of germs so you can have a lot of patients and have a record-breaking hospital attendance. You see? What do you do? You build a hospital because you have people that got some germs. The hospital is for the patients. The school is for the students. The church is for the members. And so we started working to make the right kind of people. For if you make the right kind of people, all the demons in hell can't keep you from having a great church. And so we started working on the people. And, and worked on the people, and worked on the people. And then we got some soul winners, and got some folks going out to win souls, and get people saved, and build classes, and build departments. Then what happened? The church took care of itself. What did Jesus say to Peter? He said, upon, he said Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, in first, good Christians build good churches. Inferior Christians build inferior churches. But good churches also build good Christians, you see. Good Christians who build good churches, who build good Christians, who build good churches, who build good Christians, who build good churches, who build good Christians, who build good churches. It's the hen and the egg. There's no place to stop. That's one of the great things about church building. You can't help but succeed. Look, I could die tonight. Get those smiles off your faces. I could die tonight. And this church would go on for months. <coughs> for months. <coughs> now, I think you have missed me. But but now, uh, <coughs> I said uh, I think you'd miss me. Thank both of you. And uh, but anyway, that uh, I could die tonight, and the church would go. Why? Because the ingredient of a great church. You see. Now you'd have to get a leader. And I think you'd call the right kind of a leader. I think you'd call a man that would, would lead you. And I think that you'd call a man who, who has experience in leading. And a man of enough stature, forgive me for saying it, who could lead a church of this size, administrate a church of this size, and so forth. But what I'm saying is this. I'm saying that, that once you get the ball rolling and get the right kind of people, it reproduces itself. And so the people, the right kind of people, build the right kind of church which builds the right kind of people, who builds the right kind of church, which builds the right kind of people. Don't you see? Now, the thing we have to do is always be on the lookout that we're the right kind of people. Now, I want to I dig, uh, or to uh, diagram, uh, dissect, <laughs> I want to dissect the church at, at, at Corinth and show you an inferior church and what the Apostle Paul said uh, composes an inferior church. Now, in the first place, this church was inferior because she had factions. She had F-A-C-T-I-O-N-S factions. Divisions, if you please. There are four different groups. Here, hey, good. Here's one, two, three, four. You folks in the balcony, you'll just have to be uh, uh, guests for a while. But uh, the church at Corinth had four groups. They had one called the School of Paul. They had one group called the School of Cephas, or Peter. They had one group called the School of Apollos. They had one group called the School of Christ. This group over here. You know what you said? You said, boy, we like Paul the best. We like him. We like that deep Bible teaching. He's not very good looking, and he doesn't holler very loud. But we like old Paul. And boy, Peter, that loud mouth, pulpit, beaten, long-winded idiot, we don't care anything about him. And Apollos, huh, that, that silk, silver-tongued orator, 
that uh, that fellow, that R.G. Lee type. We don't care about that. We like Paul. We like the Bible study. We like a deeper life. We like Paul. And this crowd here says, not us. Boy, you give us Peter. Boy, that guy gets up. He hollers and beats the pulpit and kicks and stomps and he screams. And, and uh, we like him. Paul, we go to sleep while Paul preaches. He's too deep for us. We can't understand him. We can understand Peter. He's a little funny sometimes. And, and uh, we like him. This crowd here says, not us. We like old R.G. Apollos. Boy, I'll tell you what. <laughs> if anything we like, it's old Apollos. Boy, he uses the... He is an orator. The figures of speech just roll off his tongue. You know, uh, Peter is a little crude <laughs> when he preaches. We don't care much about that. And Paul, uh, he just... He, ha- he hasn't been trained enough. But boy, old, old uh, Apollos, we like him. Apollos, uh, Lee, R.G. Anyhow, we like him best. He's ours. We belong to the school of Apollos. This crowd over here said, well, we're just sisters of Christians. We don't believe in falling man at all. We don't believe in getting the flesh into it at all. And, and you don't. Your flesh never ties, and your flesh never goes soul winning, and your flesh never builds a Sunday school department. Uh, your flesh lies home in bed, lays home in bed. Your flesh uh, 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 keeps the money in the billfold. But we, we're just of the school of Christ. And so they had factions in the church. And uh, you know what they were? This, this crowd over here, the, the Paulites, they wouldn't even speak to the Cephasites. And the Cephasites wouldn't even speak to the Apollosites. And the, these, these, the, the school of Christ, they were such good Christians, they wouldn't speak to anybody. I mean, they were really dedicated, sanctified and petrified. And uh, they were really, boy, they were great Christians. Isn't that something? Factions in the church. It's inferior. The church at, Paul wrote the church at, at, um, at uh, Corinth, and he said... Some say I am of Cephas. Some say I am of Paul. Some say I am of Apollos. And others, I am of Christ. Paul says, who is Apollos? Who is Cephas? Who is, who is Paul? These are ministers. We're all given places in the body of Christ. Um, let's, let's, let's take people on the platform here. Each person is different on the platform. Uh, no two of us are alike. Sometimes look at the men that God, is, God uses. You'll find that, notice, compare Jack Wurtzen and R.G. Lee. No comparison at all, except they both believe the Bible and are anointed with the Holy Spirit of God. Compare Dr. Bob Jones, Jr. sometime with John R. Rice. In fact, compare John R. Rice with anybody. And uh, compare Dr. Bill Rice. Hello, neighbor! I was just seeing my old hound dog the other day. And some of us say, I like John R. better. I just don't like that hound dog in the pulpit. <laughs> so you got some hound dogs in the pews, and, uh, and uh, I don't like that. And, uh, and uh, so Dr. Rice gets up and says, may the dear Lord help us. She was a noble, good woman. And may the Lord help us. Oh, God. Heaven came down and glory held my soul. And somebody says, I like him. He's so sweet and kind. Not Bill. Oh, no. Somebody else says, give me Bill Rice. He's funny. I like those dog stories. I like those horse, horse stories. And somebody says, not me. Not me. I like R.G. Lee. Like a flowing river trickling down the rocky mountains, the sun shining, I can't begin to... And uh, the honest truth is, God uses everybody. And Paul said, look. He said, don't look to Apollos. Don't look to Paul. Don't look to Peter. We're all serving the same God. One waters and another one plants, and the waters, but God gives the increase. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that can happen in a church like this that will wreck and ruin the future of this church 
is that we get the place where we get off in faction. We get off in faction. Somebody wants to go this way, and somebody says, I like this, and somebody says, no, I like this fellow better, and somebody says, no, I'm for this. No, you don't do that. That's unspiritual. That's carnal. Paul said, are ye not carnal and walk as men? That's the way little children do. Uh, he said, I, I fed you, with, I feed you with milk. Every once in a while, some super pious preacher will say, well, I just determined to preach Christ and him crucified. That's all I'm going to preach. Just, Lord, hide thee behind the cross. Now, that's, that's sweet. That sounds good. Except it's not right. Paul said that to the church at Corinth. who They were baby Christians. And Paul said, I'd like to feed you some meat. I'd like to go beyond the cross and preach the cross and something else. But I couldn't. He said, among you, I just had to preach Christ and him crucified. Now, he didn't do that in Thessalonica. He went ahead and preached about the tribulation period and the Antichrist and, uh, and the man of sin. Uh, he didn't just preach Christ and crucified at Thessalonica. No, he didn't. He didn't just preach Christ and him crucified at Ephesus or Philippi. But he said, you baby Christians, all I can preach is the gospel to you. You never have gotten past the gospel. Why? He said, because you're carnal. You walk as men. You have factions. Um, but there's another reason, and this is a dangerous one. Why was the church inferior? Why was Corinth inferior? Tell you why. Because, listen, they wanted more than there was to be had. Now, please hear this. They wanted more than there was to be had. Let's take on the matter of the gifts of the Spirit. God told the church, the New Testament church, <coughs> to go soul winning. Now, he said, why do you go soul winning? I'm going to give you some gifts that will aid your soul winning. He said, as you go soul winning, somebody is going to have to take care of the baptismal dressing room, so I'm going to give a gift of help. Somebody's going to have to count the money and write the check, so I'm going to give a gift of administration. Somebody's going to have to, if somebody gets sick out soul winning, somebody ought to have faith enough to pray for him. I'm going to give the gift of healing. And if you talk to someone who doesn't speak your own language, I want to give some the gift of tongue. And on and on. And these people said, boy, we'd like to have the gift of healing. Would, oh, we saw that fellow heal. We heard that fellow talk in tongues. We'd like to. And so they wanted things God didn't even have. And they became an ethereal, aesthetic, kind of a spooky Christian who wanted more than God intended for them to have. You've heard me, many of you on Wednesday night have heard me do this. Let me tell you what this matter of gifts of the Spirit. Every once in a while somebody comes and says, do you believe in the gifts of the Spirit? Sure I do. Because God gave them. But the Bible says nobody has all the gifts. And, and the Bible says he gives the one this gift, another gift this gift, certainly as he will. But for you to say that a fellow has got to have the bottom gift, the last gift, his tongue. And you say, you've got to have it or you're not saved. Well, that's tomfoolery. You've got a hole in your head and nothing between your ears. It's, it's ridiculous. Now, here's what it is. You've heard me do this. Let's organize a fire department. You want to? I've done this across America. We'll organize a fire department. I'm going to be the chief. All right? Now, I'm going to have you, when we're at the, at the uh, fire station, I want you to shine the truck. That's your job, to shine the truck. All right? And I want you to, to, to press the uniform. Okay? And I want you, Brother Hand, to uh, sweep out the sleeping quarter. And, John, I want you to grease the pole so we can slide faster in case of a fire. You see? Uh, grease it after Brother Hand gets down. And, uh, all right, now what's your job? I thought you'd say that. That's not your job. Your job is to put out fires. 
I'm sorry to catch you like that. Uh, that's your gift. Your gift is shine the truck. But you're a put out fires. But see, you got wrapped up having shiny trucks, but you forgot that you're a fireman, didn't you? What's your job? Huh? Fighting fires. You learned from him, didn't you? Yeah, aren't you glad I asked him first? He's a scapegoat. <laughs> and uh, fighting fires. Now then, what happened? Okay. Dong, dong. Ding, ling. There's a fire. Hey, fire. Hey, Billy. Come on. Put out the fire. He says, not me. First place, fires are not reverent enough. And none of that, that those, those trucks, they make so much noise and smoke. And he said, it, it's too spectacular. I don't believe in all that sensationalism. Besides, he said, I want to have the nicest trucks in the whole county. So he just nodded, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Shine all over Hammond, I'm going to let it shine. This little truck of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And so he shines the truck. And while the whole town burns down, the church of Jesus Christ is not for gifts. It's for soul winning. The gifts are simply things to aid us and enhance the soul winning. And people, uh, this church at Corinth had gotten more wrapped up in, in the gift than they had the giver. They'd gotten more wrapped up in, in the gift than they had the command of God. They wanted things that God didn't even have. Heard folks talk in tongues and said, we'd like to do that all the time. I think they got wrapped up in the, in the doctrine of, of, of five-point Calvinism, um, uh, excess, uh, excessive uh, predestination, always concerned about uh, 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 the Lord has, 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 has chosen some for heaven and some for hell, and, uh, and they got that, that Lord's Supper problem. They, they started taking the Lord's Supper, and once I would bring a whole quart of wine and a loaf of bread, and they just have a big, a nice Lord's Supper. And they really get happy, by the way, the Lord's Supper. And finally they decide to bring, uh, they go to the Lord's Supper and take the Lord's Supper, and the next day they go out and eat meat offered to idols. Let me say this. One of the greatest dangers in the Christian life is for the person to want to grow in grace beyond what's available and possible. Did you know the most important thing about the Bible is the primary teaching of the Bible? Did you know the most important thing about prophecy is that someday Jesus is going to come again and we're going to be with him? It's not the toes of the beast. Now, personally, I know about all those toes. I've got a book on Revelation, and I'll explain all those toes to you, and what each toe stands for, and what the toenail on the toe stands for, and the polish on the nail. I know all about it, I think. But the big thing about Revelation is our Lord's going to come back and get us someday and take us to heaven. We're going to be with him. You new Christians, oh, it would be so easy for you to get somebody's book that... That, that bypasses soul winning and bypasses prayer and bypasses Bible study and bypasses giving and bypasses local church uh, serving God and bypasses living the kind of Christian life you ought to live. And before you know it, you're so busy getting things that are not in the Bible, that the types that, that, and, and, and the underlying truths and the deep things that you forget the Bible's a love, a love letter. Uh, here, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, anybody here in love? I don't see anybody. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, you're shaking your head. Little girl over here shaking her head. Let's see. John, I'll use you and Lane because it's ridiculous to assume. I want to, uh, but anyway, uh, let's suppose Elaine could love a goon like you. And, uh, so she writes a letter and she says, Dear John. And, uh, oh, he says, what, 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 what that means? Dear John letter. You heard about those? And, uh, she says, Dear John. And he says, Oh, well, what that D stands for? That probably stands for dumb. She doesn't like me anymore. 
That E, that stands for empty-headed. What about that A-R stands for? A-R. That's the A in the Bible is a symbol of something, and R is a symbol of something else. And let's say, dear John, what could that mean, that J? That could mean I'm a jerk. And uh, did you know there are Christians all over study their Bibles that way? Did you ever dawn on you, John, she might be wanting to say, you're dear? I doubt it. I'd, I'd rather think it's the other myself. But, now, but dear John, I love you. And I wonder what that means. Let's see. Love in the Bible comes from the Greek word agape and phileo and, and eros. Let's see. I wonder which one she means. Let's see. I think I'm going to take down and have her handwriting analyzed. You know, you missed the whole thing. Why don't you just read the letter and say, Dear John, I love you. And you say, I'm so bad. That's good. She loves me. Isn't that wonderful? But uh, the truth is, far too many Christians get the wrapped up in what's not in the Bible. They don't enjoy the Bible. They get the wrapped up in wanting something that's not. I want to talk in tongues. What well, tongues is not a goal or end. Tongues is a means to an end. To get somebody saved that can't understand the language that's prevalent. And but the inferior church or supper. You know, there's a wonderful verse. I, I won't turn to it. But Paul said to the same Corinthian church in the same letter, he spoke about the simplicity that's in Christ. You know one of the great secrets of First Baptist Church, Hamlet? Just the simplicity. I was thinking while you were singing a while ago, I like the way you sang. Uh, uh, I don't think you're interested too much in putting and, and becoming a great singer. I didn't I didn't notice that, did you? I didn't think you was up there trying to sing or present the, the best solo ever presented. Uh, not, not saying you didn't. I mean, uh, but uh, but, I, but I, I didn't get that idea. I got the idea that he was trying to put over a message. You get the idea tonight that I'm trying to preach a masterpiece of a great sermon? No, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to keep you from, uh, the sim- in the simplicity that's in Christ. Just the simplicity. The Christian life is not difficult. It's simple. But the church at Corinth said, we want something more than just the Lord's Supper. We want something more than just a simple tongue. We want something more than just what's in the Bible. We want to go deeper and get something. And it became an inferior church because they wanted more <coughs> than really was. Something else about the church that made it inferior, and that is because they didn't give. Now listen to me and hear me well. Nobody ever became a good Christian who didn't give sacrificially. Now, a lot of people have given sacrificially who have not become good Christians. But there's no way to bypass generosity and liberality in the Christian growth. No way at all. None. Nobody will ever become a good Christian who does not give and give and give that it hurts and give some more and give some more. You know what I think? I think the more I can get you <laughs> to give to God's work, the more I can help you to grow in grace. I think I told you, I'm not, I'm not sure it is, about this Methodist that didn't like to go to the Baptist church because they're always talking about money. And he said, I wouldn't go. And the fellow said, but our pastor is different. He never mentions money, never does at all. And the fellow said, oh, I know these Baptists. They're always talking about money. He said, not I, preacher. Come with me tonight and try it and see. So the fellow went. And so the preacher got up. And would you believe it? He took a building fund offering that night. And this Methodist fellow said, you know the difference between a Baptist deacon and a Methodist steward, don't you? A Methodist steward, you ask him to pray. He says, here, take this $10 instead. You ask a Baptist deacon for $10. He says, let us pray. And uh, so uh, this fellow only had, he had, he had a 20 and a ten, and a five, and a one. 
And so the, uh, they took the building fund offering, and this Methodist gave the one. He punched the Baptist. He said, I told you, always money. He said, man, I'm sorry. This has never happened before. But that's all. I'm sure you that. He'll never do anything like this again tonight. Would you believe it? He took, then he took a parsonage fund offering, and the fellow gave his, gave his five. And he said, I told you so. Money, money, money. He, boy, I can understand it. He's never done this before. But that's an, I, I assure you, it won't be any worse than this. And then what happened? They decided to take an offering for foreign missions. And the fellow gave his ten. And when he gave the ten, he, he, he hit the pulpit in front of, a pew in front of him and jumped up and ran outside. And the Baptist said to the Methodist, don't leave. Don't get mad and leave. He said, get mad nothing. Leave nothing. I'm going outside to get, get change for this twenty. I'm going to see this thing through. And uh, now, I don't care who you are, unless you give, you can't be a good Christian. There is no way in this world to be a good Christian unless you give. Listen, you ought to thank God that you can give here to so many good, worthy causes. Think how privileged you are. You know, look, you know in a lot of churches, if you gave tonight in the offering plate, you know what you'd do? Some of your money would go to support some dance in some Southern Baptist college. And some of your money would go to support some liberal teacher in some seminary. And some, and, 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 and some of your money would go to support some missionary who does nothing more than teach folks on foreign fields how to raise good corn crops. You stop and think about it. We had Jack Wurtzen last Sunday, and you gave him some of your money. And he preaches the gospel in one of the most barren sections of this nation. We have a Christian high school. We're taking up money for it. And you'll invest in young people being taught in a Christian atmosphere, the Word of God, and get an education in a decent Christian atmosphere. We pass the plates on Wednesday night, and you, you contribute to a radio ministry that teaches soul winning and inspires soul winners around the world. How privileged you are. That's why you ought, when the plates are passed, you ought to say, Blessed be God. God loveth an hilarious giver. It means in the Greek, jump up and down and clap your heels. We ought to say, Glory to God! I get to give to a high school! To a radio program, to a nationwide book ministry that exalts soul winning in Christ. I get to give to a church that supports only soul winning missionaries. No, there's no way in this world you can grow in grace. And a church that does not give will become an inferior church. But there's something else. This church at Corinth was inferior because it was a conforming church. Paul wrote the church and he said, Some of you ladies are wearing, getting your hair cut like men. And he said, some of you men are wearing long, shaggy hair. Hippies are not new. They had them in Corinth. They did. Had them in Corinth. I've often said we had them back when I was a kid. We just called them tramps in those days. But they had them, they had them in Corinth. I'm sick up to here of, of, of hippies and folks burning down college campuses and then blaming the administration in Agnew for it. Long live Agnew. Agnew for president. I'm sorry, Vice President, Hiles for President. Long live Agnew. May Spiro, Spiro, Spiro. You say, well, Brother Hiles, I'm, I'm, I'm politically different from you. That's why I'm letting you know what's right so you can change before you leave. You say, I don't think a preacher ought to preach politics. You haven't read the Old Testament very much. In the Old Testament, boy, the kings called the preacher before they made decisions. And if they didn't, they, 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 the, the nations went to the devil. But they started conforming. 
And Paul wrote. Now, if you'll, if you'll check, you'll, you'll find it. Paul wrote and said, it's a shame for a man to have long hair. It's a shame. It's a sin. Yeah, it's a sin. Now, I want to say this. I 